0: Hey, hey! It's your girl Carla Renata, aka the Curvy Film Critic, back for episode, I believe, it's 62 of the Curvy Critic with Carla Renata at Black Hollywood Live. Did Rocket Man take off or did it sink? Is my funny or is it serious? Ooh! And we got a special interview with Nisha Ganatra from Late Night, and my girl Angelique Jackson is backstage right there. Tune into Black Hollywood Live, the world's first digital broadcast network devoted entirely to urban entertainment and pop culture. Tune in right now. <laughs> and Julie's <she's> like, hey. <laughs> Welcome back, <laughs> y'all, for episode 62 of the curvy critic with Carla Renata. My girl Angelique Jackson is back. Hello, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Um, glad that I was able to join you again. I am glad you were able to join me too, because we had so much fun last week. So, so much. I was, fun. We just had to do a double, <laughs> we just had to do a double header back yes, to back. Thank
1: y'all also for having me back. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> not telling her, be like, mm, not nah, bring that guest. <laughs> I
0: love you so much. So, hey, y'all, what is uh, we are back we got lots of films to get into but before we do that i just wanted to thank the audience for always coming in and tuning in and supporting me over here at black hollywood live if you haven't already tell your friends to go over to youtube leave some comments after the show because i will talk back to you y'all know i will also give me five stars over at spotify and at itunes and i will see you over on those platforms as well so let's get into the conversation tiffany haddish My girl. So every year, um, the Hollywood Reporter does an Actors' Roundtable, Actress' Roundtable, Directors' Roundtable for people that are possibly going to be nominated for Emmys, Oscars, Golden Globes, what have you. So for the Actress' Roundtable, Tiffany Haddish—oh my God, I cannot. So (laughs) Tiffany Haddish, and I do this all the time, she talked about how when she would go into auditions, she would purposefully leave her purse in the room— put her phone on voice memos so that it could record what they were saying about her after she left the room. And she'd wait a minute and be like, oh my god, I forgot my purse. Sorry. And she'd go back and get it. Get to the car, play it to hear what they said.
1: Okay, so let me first tell you (laughs) that that's amazing. And I actually got to talk to Tiffany last night on the carpet oh, at the you Wearable Art Gallery. Did you gallery. ask her about that? Yes, I sure did. Oh, what did she and say? And Tiffany actually said that, yeah, it, you know, it was a fun thing she used to do, and it was it was a great way of getting feedback. But she actually had an interview, an audition a couple of weeks ago, and she said that they left the same time she did so she wasn't able to leave her purse anymore and get that feedback so she didn't regret you know sharing that little tidbit but uh it didn't work this time at oh her my audition. god
0: i was like that is freaking brilliant i leave my purse in the room all the time Mm -hmm. all the time get that
1: final voice memo
0: all the time but now that she just said that like i gotta let that die down for a minute before (laughs) i even attempt to try to do that because people gonna be looking for it now you know what i'm saying
1: they're gonna be like um did you turn your phone on silent is your phone still on they're gonna start making you turn your phone off in auditions it's gonna be like you're in a marvel movie all of a sudden they're gonna be locking
0: it down we don't need you to hear what we're saying about you in this casting office (laughs) That was pure comedy. And it's not like really Hollywood news, but I thought that was funny as hell. She really... Every story she tells is the perfect
1: anecdote. Like, I don't know how she always comes up with what the perfect anecdote is. Um, She also shared with me at the Arts Gala that her uncle was the one catering it, that she's basically a third cousin of Beyonce at this point, because, I mean, obviously, with all the Beyonce drama that had happened before, right? um, but she now is so in the circle of family that she was the host of the Wearable Arts Gala last night. I love that. And was just, you know, there supporting and and supporting such a good cause, promoting arts education for uh, young people. Yeah. Cool.
0: Okay, because I was going to say, for people that don't know what the Wearable Arts Gala is, you explained what it is, but who produces that and puts it on? So, Tina Knowles Lawson, uh, <laughs> Miss Tina, as we
1: all know and love her, and her husband Richard Lawson are the people that put this on. It's the third year. It was this year at Barker Hangar in Santa Monica, which was a big move for them. They had initially yeah. had it at the African American History Museum, and uh, now they've, they've moved up even further to a larger space. They're, all of Black Hollywood was out there. They were honoring Tyler Perry. And it was themed Journey to the Pride Lands, uh, of course, in honor of the line.
0: And let me just say, I was a little salty about that because I'm like, um,. I was in The Lion King. I ain't get no invitation, (laughs) Miss Tina knows. I'm like, for real, though? I I did see that they had some people from the actual cast singing. I saw a picture or a video clip of somebody singing Shadowlands.
1: Yes. I actually was not able to say for the whole event because Mm -hmm. it's a very closed-door, no-media kind of situation. Mm. But... Uh, yes, they did have a presentation there. They had some of the singers from the from the actual show. Uh you know, starting off with Lion King. They did not show the movie as far as I know, but John Favreau was there to support as well. Ooh. So really people came out, uh JD McCrary, the young Simba also in the house so it was it was a really special night it seemed
0: okay well we had the wearable art gala and we had Tiffany Haddish and we made them two stories work in tandem <laughs> yes. and that is why you back for a second week Miss Angelique Jackson oh, thank you <laughs> <laughs> I love it so the first film that we saw that both of us saw was this film called Ma now this is the thing about Ma that I have to say Ma is directed by Tay Taylor yes It is starring Octavia Spencer and Diana Silvers, who also is having a really good summer, because she's in Booksmart, yes. So I'm like, well, okay, Miss Diana Silvers for being in two movies in less than two weeks. Um, And she is... Oh, and it's produced by Universal Pictures. Now, I must tell you that this is not going to be a spoiler-free review. Sorry. There will be spoilers, so get over yourselves. (laughs) If you want to see spoiler-free, go someplace else, because it ain't going to be here today at Curvy Critic. But basically, Octavia Spencer plays this this, uh, veterinary nurse who happens to run into these kids at a liquor store, and they talk her into buying some alcohol for them. So she... Proceeds to let them think that she's concerned about their safety by inviting them over to drink at her house. Yeah, in the she doesn't basement. want them
1: drinking and driving, and that good, is when shena-
0: and that is when shenanigans ensue.
1: <laughs> and, and you know what? I was surprised about because I thought this was a straight horror movie. I thought that shenanigans were gonna ensue immediately, and then shenanigans like they're like kind of like. Breadcrumbs into yes. the craziness that they already show you in the trailer. Yes. I did not realize this was much more of a thriller.
0: Yeah, it is. And so, yeah, since we're doing a not a spoiler free, um, it's a situation where it's not a, it's not a horror movie because from the. Trailers, you would think it's going to be a straight-up horror movie because you're seeing knives and you seeing all kind of crazy stuff. But it's not. It's more of a thriller. And not for nothing, but this is what I love about Octavia. Octavia will have a movie come out, and she knows that not everybody is able. So she will buy out a house of uh, tickets so that people can come and support the movie. Yeah. I wish more Movie stars would do that, especially people of color, yeah. because people don't always get out and see our films. So I wish that she—not she—but I wish that more actors would follow suit, and they have done it over over the last couple of years. It started yeah. to be a thing. Like I remember Viola did it for Widows. Yeah. Um, there was another movie that came out not too long ago where a couple of people did it, but people are starting to do it more often than not. You know, and I'm I'm really glad to see that. But you know. I remember being in the midst of some of our fellow critics after I saw this, and folk were not having it. And I was like, I am there for it, because it was like... I was too. I was like, it is Black Misery meets Black Carrie, and I was there for all of it. Absolutely, and that's what was so great about it, too. Um, And I know we both kind of have covered
1: this movie, but getting to see Octavia in this role, which we all know that black people often die in the first 20 minutes of a horror movie, yes. getting to see her be the antagonist and getting to see her have such an important, integral role in the story was really important. I even read Kingsley of, you know, the the great king of YouTube, Kingsley, <laughs> was talking about that today on Instagram about how cool it was to get to support that and to get to see that. And, you know, she's not, not only one of the few who makes it to the end of the movie, but the one who's driving the entire plot. It's a big deal, uh, especially after seeing Lupita and Us this year. Little these, Monsters. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Lupita has two horror movies yep. this year. It's incredible to see um, the Jordan way that... Peele is
0: taking over that lane, too. Mm-hmm. Black people are starting to, like, redefine what black people's roles are in exactly. horror movies, especially for 2019, is. and I'm there for all of that.
2: It's, yeah. So
0: somebody was asking me, well, why did you say Black hair? I said Black Carrie because if you have ever seen the, cl- the cult classic Carrie... At the end of the movie, it ends with fire. And at yeah. the end of this, it ends with fire. To me, that was like a classic Stephen King, Carrie move. Yeah. And then the fact that she was obsessed with one of the characters mm-hmm. is the same situation that happened in Misery where the lead character in that film was obsessed with the lead character. And so. the way
1: the way that she kind of chains him up is very similar to what happened in Misery. And the same, the bullying plotline, which when I spoke to people on the red carpet, that was one of the messages that they were really talking about was how this movie is talking about bullying so much is obviously a direct Carrie reference in itself, just the way that, you know, that plays such a role in in teen culture. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I loved getting to see this. I, I will maybe agree with some of the critics that, I thought the movie itself could have been stronger, but the performances are so good. The performances Octavian. were the
0: bomb, and there was this one moment that I that uh, struck a chord with me in particular. There's this moment where after she's changed, and I think it's really interesting that she chains them all with chains them all up with dog collars, Yes. and not just a dog collar, <laughs> but like those chain. choke chain, chains. yeah. Kind of dog collars that speaks volumes by itself. But when her and the little black kid are on the sofa and she proceeds to paint his face white mm-hmm. and says, There's only room for one of us, that was like a political, socioeconomic statement in itself. A lot of people miss that. But oh, I, I, I did that. not
1: miss that. Well, my one question about that, and I hadn't seen the movie before I did the interviews because um, <laughs> I had done the carpet, not the junket, mm-hmm. but. Um, the, the role was initially written and still is technically written for a white woman. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, the Ma character was supposed to be someone who was Caucasian. So was that something that they added in once Octavia joined the role? Obviously. But why did they add it in? I just have so many questions about that particular scene because it really struck me, too.
0: Yeah, and there was, the other thing that struck me was something else that was different in this movie is that Juliette Lewis plays the mother. She plays Erica. And Erica... Was coming at her kid like a black mama coming at mm-hmm, her kid, mm-hmm. like she was talking. She's like, "You are pissing me off, girl." I'm like, "Oh, oh, oh. yeah." Erica did not play, and I loved that because <laughs> er- you Erica know, went in <laughs> just because she was a
1: mom who was absent because of her job. That didn't mean that she was absent from her child's life. She was right. very involved in what her child was doing. She was asking all kinds of questions about her friends, about her boyfriends. That you know, it wasn't that stereotypical mom that's just like, "Oh, I don't even know where my kid is."
0: Yeah, no, she was she. Her, her dialogue alone gave me life. It yeah. really did. Her dialogue alone gave me life. And it's directed by Tate Taylor. So Tate and Octavia, I think this is the first time they've teamed up since The Help. Yes. Yes, I believe it is. So, and she won an Oscar for that. Well, she ain't gonna win no Oscar for... uh <laughs> Probably not. For Ma, but I... And I love the fact that her, Tate, and Octavia, I mean, Octavia, Allison. Allison, and Tate are all friends, and they are keeping it all in the family by work, helping each other work and, you know, making some art together. So Absolutely. I enjoyed that. That's I actually
1: what that. Tate told me. Tate was saying that, because they were roommates. <clears throat> yeah, and he they was were. saying that, like, oh, she was all into these, like, murder shows at home, so when she asked me to help her find her next character, this is what I was able to find and was like, yeah, we should do this together. I can totally see Octavia doing this. This, he joked he was like oh it's brought from real life
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it I was there for all of it Let me acknowledge my people in the chat room again Jenna James Marlon B Marlon B Michael B and Marlon Wallace thank y'all for joining us again I love you every everyone I can't talk today every little bit <laughs> of you I love you um they said that they felt the script could have been better too and uh, Jenna said Octavia did good with what she was given and dealt with hey look. Homegirl is working. She got a job. Mm-hmm. It's all good in the hood as far as I'm concerned. You know what I mean?
1: As long as I have her on my screen, I'm a happy girl.
0: Ditto. And I think we move on to the next subject with that in mind. So the next thing that we have coming up is another um, film that has a female protagonist. It's called Late Night. It is, pre- <laughs> <It's> <laughs> it so is produced it is <laughs> You are so funny. She's like, yay, late night. <laughs> it's produced by Amazon Studios. It stars Mindy Kaling and Emma Thompson, and it's dealing with this woman who is a talk show host, and she's over 50, and she's about to lose her audience. The studio has, has decided that they want to replace her for somebody newer, younger, fresher. And so she goes to her writer's room, and she's like, look, we got to like work this out, because I'm not going out like a punk, basically. Mm-hmm. we got to do something. This film I love because it deals with ageism, sexism, um, racism... It just deals with so many different subjects. But before we get into our discussion, yes. I want to play this interview that I did with the director. Now, let me just say that the director is Nisha Ganatra. She's Indian. The person that wrote the script is Indian. Yes. And the other star of the movie is a woman. It's an all-female-driven comedy on the big screen. And I was there for all of it. But take a listen to this interview with Nisha real quick. And then we'll come back to Angelique and I. The first thing I want to talk about, Nisha, is the fact that there was an article called Thumbs Down, Film Critic and Gender, Why It Matters. And they talked about how only 34% of us on Rotten Tomatoes are women. It literally rose a whopping 2% from 2018 and a whopping 3% more reviews <laughs> are published compared to last year. And I was like, wow, that's such progress. Not really. So that brings See, me... you want
2: to hear the sad thing when you were saying that? I was like, it's 34%? I didn't
0: even think it was that high. Yeah, it's 34%. And so wow. I say all that to say, the last time we saw a woman in late night television was Joan Rivers. on. NBC. And now Lily Singh is coming to NBC. So kudos to NBC for keeping it real. And she's Indian and Canadian. But this is the first time in 30 years. And this is somebody that started on YouTube in 2010 with 14 million viewers. So I think that this film Late Night with Mindy and Emma directed by yourself is right on time.
2: Thank you. It is, it is sadly still radical, right? It's, it's, it shouldn't be, but it's radical that an Indian American woman wrote it and an Indian American woman directed it and that You know, the two leads are two women and one is over the age of 50. I think it's like a unicorn of a movie and it shouldn't be because it really represents what's happening and what our culture is. It's so hard to break these stories through when the people with the power aren't inclusive. Then, then it seems like a unicorn when it's not, you
0: know, I do know. And you said in your bio somewhere you had a traditional upbringing. So I think it's really funny that you (laughs) attach yourself to projects that are non-traditional, like late night. Like you, me, her, like transparent, like what is it about your traditional upbringing that you feel like colors your viewpoint and bringing these non-traditional stories to the forefront?
2: So the whole idea of a traditional upbringing, right? It's something interesting to me and a whole nother movie that I want to make because I've heard so many people say, well, the traditional Indian mother, not my mom, but the traditional Indian mom would blah, 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 blah. And enough people said it to where I said, who is this traditional Indian mom that nobody <laughs> has, but everybody's speaks to a too? That's
0: hilarious.
2: <laughs> right? So that's why I made chutney popcorn because that was me taking on this traditional Indian mom idea because the mom in that movie is a traditional Indian mom who is far from traditional in this journey that she takes. You know, she has to get from the beginning to the end to accept her gay daughter, who's having a a baby for her straight daughter. (laughs) The comedy and chaos that ensues in that family. Um, So I think from day one, I was always interested in telling stories that I hadn't seen on screen because, well, for two things. One, just representation first and foremost is the most important thing to shifting culture and identity formation because we're such a media-centric society that if you don't exist in film and tv you just don't exist and if you don't exist then you can't create changing culture because you're not even a part of it so my first agenda was just represent get women on the screen get people of color on the screen make it so that we see ourselves so that we feel a reflection in the mirror so that we can just form our identities know who we are and then from there we can be a force together but it was just the first basic step of not seeing anything reflected was weird you know it's what are the themes and i was asked by this is why what you guys do is so important because you help us realize who we are because <laughs> somebody said well you're doing everything from transparent to chutney popcorn to you know mr. robot what where's the commonality in all this and I had to really take a hard look at it and see oh it's identity I'm obsessed with idea and theme of identity in whatever shape form that story is being told in that's what I seem to keep circling around in my work and The thing that is the highest form of that to me is comedy. So if I can talk about feminism, women in the workplace, diversity, inclusion, people of color, all in under the guise of comedy, then I've really succeeded because I always want movies to be entertaining and funny, first and foremost. And then I want there to be a message under it. But if you don't want the message, you can just go to the theater and laugh your ass off and have a good time. But if you want it, it's extra satisfying, I find, to have a movie that actually tried to say something.
0: Not for nothing, but I loved late night for a variety of reasons. I love the fact that in the writing and in the directing and in the acting, y'all addressed ageism. You addressed nepotism. You addressed sexism. You addressed racial (laughs) profiling. Like y'all went in and you went in, yeah. But y'all went in and went in hard because there's that one scene where Mindy is starting to make her way into ingratiate herself to the host, being played by Emma Thompson, and Mm -hmm. there's that moment where she says well what can I do and her character says well you know you're a woman in your 50s in Hollywood and you're a little white and I'm like oh no did they really just say that out loud I laughed out loud and then there's that scene where the writers in the writer's room and they're sitting there going well it must be nice to be a woman of color maybe I could be a woman of color and get the job too." was like oh they are not playing so I was I was wondering if you feel like we have so many showrunners on tv we have Shonda Rhimes we have Issa Rae we have Mindy for a minute Ava DuVernay Lena Waite do you think that the hashtag me too movement has really burned a fire under making women a little more prevalent in the forefront and and making more room for them in these writers rooms and as directors in the Hollywood landscape absolutely
2: oh my god yes I mean Sandra really was the groundbreaker with that ABC because I remember when Grey's Anatomy came on and I saw that show and I was like oh good a black doctor and then I remember oh my god another black doctor and they're not related and then there was a third <laughs> black doctor and I was like there are three black doctors on the show y'all what's happening and then Shonda oh walks out and I was like no, 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 doctor. I was like losing my mind right I was like these are like fully formed characters they're all people of color. They're not related to each other. They're not there to just support the white character. What's happening? And it was the first time I had seen that, you know? And that was like really, sadly, radical. <laughs> she just was like, hey, this is what the world looks like. Because meanwhile, I was like watching other TV shows that took place in hospitals going, show me one hospital in this country that you can walk into and not see a Filipino nurse or an Indian doctor, except for on TV. You know? Exactly.
0: Like, what's going on? Yeah, I'm a person of color and my mother has spent her career being a registered nurse. So imagine yeah. when the only time I saw somebody of color be a nurse on television was Julia with Diane Carroll. <laughs> and that was like right? 40 years ago.
2: I'm like, that what the so hell? And when Carrie Washington said there hasn't been a black female lead on TV in 30 years. Since
0: Diane Carroll and Julia, yes.
2: Yeah. That was bullshit. That was just like the, the bizarro <laughs> land of television not reflecting accurately what's happening in culture. It, I don't know any other countries that have this problem. Yeah. How is the world whitewashed on TV but not, I look out my window it's not like that. I look at the TV it's like that. What's going on in America that we assume that the norm is a white person and that nobody's going to relate to it unless it's a white male? That is just a piece of fiction that I really wanted to explode in this movie.
0: It's a huge disparity in our country when it comes to that. The disparity between daytime television and nighttime television especially when it comes to women is mind-boggling because on daytime Daytime television, up until the time that The View showed up, we literally only had women in daytime television if they had a male co-host. It almost seemed as though a male co-host had to be present, and that shifted when The View came along, and then The View started to shift their ideology more to politics, but then behind The View came The Real, which is more pop culture-based, and then The Talk is like a mix of the two. We had Kathy Lee and Hoda for a minute, and then now we have Jenna and Hoda, but with Kelly and Ryan, it's Kelly and Ryan It was Kelly and Regis. It was Regis and Kathy Lee. So what do you think that we have to do to get to daytime and nighttime and make our presence known and stay there? Because like I said, when we started out, it's been 30 years since a woman has been a late night talk show host. I know.
2: Well, I mean, because even when we succeed, it's not enough, right? Like, like, even when it's successful, they'll be like,
0: oh, it cut it off. Oh, anyway. (laughs) I was enjoying the interview. <laughs> I was too. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, you hit on so many important topics there with Nisha. That's a great interview. Let's all give Carla a round of applause. Um, because this movie also hits on all of those topics and that's kind of what's so amazing about it is that it was, it's able to tackle all of these things and like she said, if you just want to go and laugh and have fun, you can do that. But if you want to go and really talk about important things in our culture and the way that Things in the workplace are changing um, in terms of race, in terms of gender, in terms of sex. It it really it really hits on all those, too.
0: Someone in the chat room, I I believe it was Michael B. He said that there was Get Christy Love. Yeah. Get Christy Love was on TV, Michael B. But that was way after Julia. Julia was on television in the 60s. Get Christy Love didn't come onto the landscape until the 70s. So for like at least a decade Diane Carroll was it for black women on television unless they were guest starring on somebody else's show.
1: Well, if we want to talk about that too, we can talk about late night TV host Joan Rivers. I mean, she was the only primetime late night female television host, and we're just now getting Lily Singh, whose show hasn't even debuted yet yep. on
0: NBC. And
1: it's been 30
0: years. It's And that happened in September. But yeah. yeah, it has been 30 years. That's since, crazy. It's been 30 years since a woman has been a late night host. That's why I made the point that I made about daytime television. Mm-hmm. Because in daytime television, it seems that there always has to be a male present yeah. for, in order for the show to even get some legs. You don't see... Was even Busy Phillips made an attempt at doing a late-night talk show. They canceled that. Chelsea Handler was on, but it was... She was... Busy and Chelsea Handler were not on network television. Exactly. Joan Rivers was on network television. Yeah. So on network television, because I want to be clear, on exactly. network television, there has not been a female host in 30 years other than the late Joan Rivers. So let's just make that distinction. But...
1: <laughs> But Late Night is also... No, I mean, I'm letting you have a moment because I want that to resonate. Because it's it's so real, and that's what this movie made so apparent. Because you look at this late night TV landscape and it is very similar. It is very white. It is very male. And that's exactly what this movie is talking about. And I know that you and I, especially watching this movie and what really touched me so much... um, Obviously, I'm a fan of Mindy Kaling just in general and her comedy and the fact that she is a woman of color making a way for women in comedy that are women of color especially. Mm -hmm. Um, But when she walks into that room and she's not only the only person of color, but she's the only woman of color, that's an experience that we've all, I feel like, had.
0: Yep, everybody, everybody. You and I both are very familiar with that lane right there. What got cut off that that you didn't hear was I asked Nisha the fact about... um, at the end, of the, at most of the time in the movie, Emma Thompson's character always says, "Have I earned the privilege of your time?" Mm-hmm. I'm like, "Why, as a female host, does she feel the need that she has to say that as her moniker?" You know, yeah. like Jimmy Kimmel has his thing about Matt Damon when he signs off. But in the movie, this was Emma Thompson's sign, or Catherine, as her character is yeah. named. That was her sign off. And Nisha said, "Don't don't we all feel like as women in the entertainment landscape that we have to ask for the privilege of somebody's time?" I was like. You better go, Nisha Conatra. But also, you better go with that question. <laughs>
1: because I've, I mean, I uh, also covered this movie and interviewed her too, and I never thought that that's a brilliant question
0: because it resonated with me in that respect because she said it more than once i was like oh why i was like over that
1: i was thinking that it was just a very british way of her kind of signing off but no that is a it is a very feminine question to ask it is a very female lane of thinking that we it's the same way that people say women always over apologize Mm -hmm. um that same way of feeling like you need to earn your spot in the room Mm -hmm. you don't have the you know the self possession to just be there no matter what whether or not you earned it and that is what a lot of this movie is about wow that is great you were well
0: thank you Miss Angelique Ooh, I got kudos from Angelique Jackson I don't even know how to act in this moment but I, I'm gonna act and move on with the next question though. I mean the next subject <laughs> I'm, I'm a little flustered <laughs> begrim- I'm a little flustered begrim- no
1: seriously please give her props for that cause <laughs> it's a really really strong question thank
0: you my sister I appreciate it so. As I said, starting out, Late Night is produced by Amazon Studios. It is directed by Nisha Ganatra. Nisha Ganatra. Nisha Ganatra is starring Mindy Kaling and Emma Thompson. It opens in theaters on June 7th. It has not hit your theater yet, but it will. So go out and support these ladies. Ma opened on May 31st. So that is in theaters right now. What also is in theaters right now is Rocketman. It opened the same day as Ma. And it stars Taryn Edgerton and Bryce Dallas Howard. And Taryn is taking on the role of the iconic, legendary rock and roll diva Elton John. Now, Angelique and I saw this together. We did,
1: and we had the most fun, y'all. We had the most fun.
0: We were living our best black lives. It was And hilarious. let me tell
1: you, the guy next to me was also living his best life. It
0: was awesome. But it's produced by Paramount Pictures. Excuse me. It is directed by Dexter Fletcher, and it is done in such a very unique way. It's almost as if the music, Elton John's music, is used as a secondary character to tell the story, the through-line story of his life, which starts out and ends with um, Elton John in therapy. Yes. um, Yes. Having left Madison Square Garden (laughs) before his concert (laughs) to go get therapy. I thought that was hilarious. I
1: loved it. And, And actually, I think that is what I love the most about it, is that it is a biopic, but more than anything, it's a musical. The whole point of the movie is not necessarily to tell the story exactly how it happened, chronologically in order. Um, If you fact-check it, which a lot of sites have already done, you'll see that, oh, well, this song was sung... Five years before it happened, they were not trying to stick to be a historically rigid correct. No. Exactly. Instead, they wanted to tell the, the story. story, the feeling, all of the things that he was going through, and I think that served it so incredibly well. Um, as you know, my only complaint is that, of course, it came out after <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody. And I was
0: just gets to that.
1: I just hope that people give it a chance because it is <laughs> tremendous. And it deserves it, and especially so does Taryn.
0: Yeah, he, he should get some love for this because he gives a fantabulous performance. It was really quite stellar. And not for nothing, but Bryce Dallas Howard did her thing, too. Yes. With that accent? Mm-hmm. I mean, not that she was acting with an accent, but she's a fierce actress anyway. But she, it was almost like every type of persona character that you've seen her do in other films all came together in this one character of playing Elton's mom. Yeah, it was fantabulous. I was there for all of that and all of her. Every single solitary moment of it. I really was. Um, and I talked about the concerts. And I talked about the um, Bohemian Rhapsody comparisons. This is what I want to say about that. I, I kind of almost get annoyed when they compare it to Bohemian Rhapsody. Because, it's first of all, it's two different rock people. Uh-huh. There's Queen. There's Elton John. Bohemian Rhapsody was a very glossed over biopic they didn't use the music as a secondary impetus. The music yeah. was was there to just insert it to tell the story of the rock group. Exactly. With... Um Rocket Man. It specifically and intentionally was used to propel the storyline along, as it pertains to the life of Elton John. And then you know, this is when you know somebody's done an excellent job in a, in a movie like this, when they show footage of the real person at the end, and you can't tell the difference between the person that you just watched for two hours and the person who lived that life. Yeah. So that was that was excellent. I I I enjoyed that for a variety of reasons. In the chat room, they are saying.
1: <laughs> what you saying?
0: Uh, they saying, uh, Mamma Mia 3, here we go. Here we go, Rocket Man. Uh-uh, y'all are not right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Don't come for Mamma Mia
0: around me, okay? <laughs> y'all are not right. Oh, my God, y'all are not right. And then they They gave me applause as you asked them to. Um Thank you. But, yeah, that's... And somebody said, I would love to see the biopic, but only... But the only song... What is... Oh, wait, I would love to see the pick, but the only song... I know from Elton John is Benny and Jess. Look, Benny and Jess gave me life and you're going to love it when they hit it in the movie too. It was good.
1: I also <laughs> think that there are going to be songs that you don't remember are Elton John. Yeah. Um, because his catalog is so, so big. Large. It's so vast. Yes. That there are songs that you're like, oh wait, yeah, that was him. Yeah. And so, it, it, it that kind of makes it fun too when you like forget. It, mm-hmm. And I had a few of those moments in Bohemian Rhapsody I did too.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally did. So again, Rocket Man is in theaters right now. It's directed by Dexter Fletcher. Produced by Paramount Pictures and starring Taryn Edgerton and Bryce Dallas Howard. Now, I wanted to talk about something that happened this week. I was on the Television Academy Committee to select people, select shows, rather, to be honored with the TV Academy Honors Emmy. And there's only five slots usually given out for that, but they, we had a little argument over some. So there were seven. <laughs> so there were seven of them, and we gave those Honors Emmys out to Pose, A Million Little Things, I Am Evidence, Rest in Power, the Trayvon Martin story, RBG, Alexa and Katie, and a show that I particularly love called My Last Days. And I took a picture with Miranda Davis, who was one of the people featured in season one of My Last Days. And it was on the CW, so you can stream that online right now. But Miranda Davis was a dancer. A fierce dancer, yeah. and I was not aware of her before I saw her on Dancing with the Stars. Yes, and that then tremendous
1: I, and, performance Julianne Huff did. Oh,
0: so she choreographed a piece where Julianne Huff was her, was portraying Miranda in the piece. Oh my god, it was if you have not seen that clip, you gotta go on YouTube and see that clip of Julianne Huff portraying um, Miranda Davis in this dance piece. It is just. Is glorious. It really, really is. And then go see My Last Days. So as my streaming pick of the week, I'm suggesting that everyone go to the CW website or the CW app and check out My Last Days. You will not be sorry. I promise you.
1: you no, any- I, I 100% agree um, that it's a, it's a story that's absolutely beautiful. Um, is that one of the, also one of the ones Justin Baldoni? Is, is that his whole series or is that... One it's okay. Never mind. I don't I was know like, why huh? I'm getting into it. Like, uh-uh. It's fine. <laughs> Let's go back to Julianne. Um yeah, that, I that that moment, um, I was not familiar with Miranda either, even though she is a, a very prominent uh dancer, choreographer. Uh, but it just is so transcendent when you see the way dance can tell stories. Um and I the yeah, the whole piece is just brilliant.
0: Yeah, as a former dancer myself, it was I know just how difficult it was for Julianne to perform that piece because there was a lot more acting involved. There was a lot of there was this one lift where they have her and she looks like she's walking on a sea of people. It Mm -hmm. was just it was really quite lovely and very, very beautiful. It really, really was. So you guys check it out if you have an opportunity. It was absolutely Gorgeous. What you got coming up this week, Angeli?
1: Um, so this week we are going to be on the red carpet at the premiere of Dark Phoenix. Because basically I wanted to round out all of my help people because we've now spoken about Octavia Spencer, (laughs) Allison Janney, Bryce Bryce Ellis Howard. (laughs) So we gotta get that Jessica Chastain life in there. Viola, where you at? Uh, I haven't haven't seen you in the last week,
0: so can you? Well actually Viola does, Viola has another project coming out. Yes, for Bravo, right? Yes, for, no, 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 no. Oh, a different one. It's a different one that she produced with Mariska Hardate. It's a documentary. I was gonna talk about it next week. But yeah, her and, and they, I tweeted about it and they actually retweeted me I was like what what's happening oh my god that can't happen <laughs> um, but yeah so that happened Um and then I think next week we're going to talk about Dark Phoenix, as you mentioned. I did an interview with Ron Howard, the legendary Ron Howard, which is Bryce Dallas Howard's dad. We're gonna to talk to him about his documentary, Pavarotti. Um, we're gonna talk about the last black man in San Francisco and the secret life of pets too. I love the first one so much and I was so reminded of my little beloved Spanky when I watched it. So it's gonna be really interesting to watch it watch the second half with my little dude no no longer here with me. So um But I just, you know, I say this on the show all the time. I love stuff with animated babies and dogs or animals. It just (laughs) makes me laugh out loud. I don't know what it is about that, but it just makes me laugh. Well,
1: because we don't you know, as human adults, we have no idea what they're doing <laughs> in their lives, so we always imagine that, like, they have their own ways of communicating
0: and doing stuff. It's it's just really, it's a fun extension of the imagination. And we've just brought it full circle, because we started out talking about <laughs> Tiffany Haddish, and Tiffany Haddish is in The Secret Life of Pets, Sure Stewart. is.
1: <laughs> and she's gonna kill it in that, too. I cannot wait to see Tiffany in this role.
0: All right, well, let me see what else they're saying up in here. Because y'all, y'all got jokes today. Um... Black talking about Black Lightning. I'll check it out. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of this. They're saying they're not a fan of the CW. I'm not a fan of the CW either, but I promise you, you're gonna like this. It's a docu-series. It's not like a TV show, TV show. It's a docu-series. And it features these five people who are in, literally in their last days of life from these diseases that nobody knew about. That, you know, they it was hard to diagnose each one of these people with the different ailments that they have. And it's just a testament to the fact that you never know how much time you have on this earth. So you cannot take any second, any minute, any hour, any day for granted because you literally don't know how yeah. long you have or what's going to take you out. You ha- we, That's the one mystery of life that we don't know. So, you know, just check it out for that reason. To, and as bad as you think you might have it, somebody else got it worse. Trust and believe. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of our show today. Thank you so much for having me. It was uh, so much fun. And I, again, I love
1: talking about, uh, you know, all of these really uplifting stories. Um, I feel like at the end of the day that all of the movies that we talked about today especially are all about progress in some way, whether it is particularly in the storyline or what the movie represents. So it's, 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 I don't know, it feels like an empowering 2019 already. Look at you being all deep. I'm being, well <laughs> hey, you were just talking about you know, diseases and not knowing how much
0: more time we have in this I know, earth. I was deep in I my just, own way. So you I'm just spiral. trying to match your energy. <laughs> I love your energy. Oh, my God, you make me laugh out loud. You are crazy. I love you, though. I love when you come here. Please make... Please promise me you'll come back again at some point. I do promise. I know it's about to get mad busy for you with but your I work will be and back. stuff, but I, 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 I want you to come back. Thank you have, so much for having me. I really do oh, appreciate I, it. I, of course, of course. I always have a good time when you come here. Tell the people where they can find you.
1: Uh, so you can find me um, on Instagram and Twitter at ang ange814. And then you can also find uh, my movie review podcast, Love It or Hate It, with Angelique and Elizabeth. Uh, we're also on uh, Instagram, Twitter, iTunes, and uh, not Spotify. Spotify, but, uh, the other podcast. She can't <laughs> I don't know. It been a long week. Thank all good. you.
0: It's all good. And I want to thank Jenna James, Marlon Wallace, and Michael B for joining me in the chat room once again. Thank you for trusting me for everything that I say about movies and reviews and with Angelique when she's here with me as well. You can find me across all social media platforms at The Curvy Critic. You can find me right after this over at After Buzz TV doing the General Hospital Report or the General Hospital After Show. And as always, you can find all of of my written reviews at curvyfilmcritic.com and you can go back and check the channel here at Black Hollywood Live and see all the interviews I've done over the last couple of years and knock yourself out and have a good time but until then <laughs> until then love peace and hair grease and I'll see you here next week with Mr. Ron Howard bye <laughs>